Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking this morning at uh, verses 46 through 49. <clears throat> yes, if, if you are, uh, you know, if you hear high tones well, but you don't hear low tones very well, I apologize for my cold because uh, it's dropped my voice a couple of octaves. Uh, so it, it, it gets worse as it gets as my voice gets uh, tired. Er, is that a word? More tired. We'll do it that way. Uh, so I'm gonna try to keep up with with everything I have to say here. I'm also gonna cough a lot, so I apologize for that too. How many of you tried to peek and see what you were gonna get for Christmas? Now this is confession time. Raise your hand. Liars, <laughs> like the vast majority of you are. Uh, I, uh, I never, I, I, I did some. Uh, once, I think it was actually birthday, not Christmas, I saw some packages unwrapped still in the, uh, the bags on the, the bed, uh, on my parents' bed. <clears throat> and all I saw was the name brand, Panasonic. Uh, I was 10. 9, 10, something long in there. So dummy me asked my brother, hey, what kind of things does Panasonic make? Well, clearly he, he knew what I was supposed to be getting for whatever, I think it was my birthday. Uh, so uh, he was six years older than me, so he was in on it. And he goes and tells my mother, and she threatens to take it all back. Uh, that was my one instance of, of actually knowing what was coming. And then, of course, for me, the surprise was ruined. I, I had a good idea of what it was. I didn't know. I knew the brand. Uh, my mother tells a story of, of one time when she was young, just bugging the absolute mess out of my grandmother to know what she was getting for Christmas. So finally, my grandmother told her. She listed everything that she was getting. Totally ruined Christmas morning for her because sure enough, everything my grandmother said, she got. She never asked again. Uh, so I would ask you, those of you who looked, were you disappointed Christmas morning when you, uh, when you got there and, oh, there's no surprise here? Were you? Liars? Uh, well, okay, may maybe not. Maybe you're just one of those that you like to know. Maybe you're one of those that reads the last page of the book. Uh, the last chapter of the book before you read the whole thing. I was not. I, I, I like the surprise. I like not knowing what's coming. All right, well, let me ask you this question. Did you ever get uh, anything for Christmas that you recognized right before you opened it? You, like, got the package. And I don't mean it was, like, the crazy wrapping where uh, there's a commercial right now. I think it's a beer commercial. But, you know, he, they, he gets a gift, and it's clearly a guitar because it's wrapped in the shape of a guitar. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there was this, this one thing you wanted, and when you got the box, and you knew what size what you, the, the, the thing was that you wanted, and you got the box, you realized, this is it. This is, it's heavy. It, it makes the noise, back when gifts rattled, uh, it, it makes the noise that I was expecting. That was pretty exciting, right? You, you, you get what you uh, were hoping to get, uh, Mary had that experience. Not that she was hoping to get it, because no, 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 don't be confused. She did not ask for this gift. Uh, this wasn't on her Christmas list. 
to be pregnant at 13, 14 years old, whatever, however old she may have been, to be pregnant before she was married uh, to, to Joseph, married enough that she shouldn't be pregnant, uh, but certainly uh, that was not on her, her list. But once she had been told she was receiving this gift, she recognized what she had. That's what we're going to look at this morning in uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 49. I'm actually going to read the whole thing. This is called the Magnificat. Uh, it, that's the, the Latin for my soul magnifies, what, what Mary says here uh, in, in the first verse. But let's read the whole thing, and then we'll come back and focus on verses 46 through 49. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Now, the, the context of this passage is she has just gone to visit her cousin Elizabeth. If you watch, uh, if you watch the movie, The Nativity Story, which we do every year, it's one of the best renderings, I believe, of the Christmas story uh, in, in movie form. If you watch that, she, she goes to visit Elizabeth before anybody should know she's pregnant, uh, before she's showing. She comes back showing, which is, you know, makes for an awkward uh, interaction when she gets home. And that could very well be how it worked out. We don't know. What we do know from Scripture, though, is what happens when she gets to Elizabeth's house. Uh, the, the, the baby that... Uh, Elizabeth is carrying, about six months older than Jesus, he's John the Baptist, leaps in her womb when Mary comes up. Mary, or rather, Elizabeth then recognizes, wow, how in the world, how blessed am I, Elizabeth says, if you uh, go back a little bit, how blessed am I that the mother of my Lord, she's recognizing Jesus for what he is already, would come and visit me. That's happened. Mary is blown away because she's, she's been told she's going to be pregnant, and she's blown away by that. May it be unto me as you have said, but I really don't understand how this is going to work. She goes to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Elizabeth says these things about her, and finally, Mary just can't contain herself any longer. It is, it is amazing what God is doing, and she breaks out in song. Uh, I was thinking this morning, you know, this is a pretty impressive bit of poetry for probably a 13, 14-year-old, basically backwoods, end-of-the-road uh, girl. That's, that's what Nazareth was. But then I got to thinking, how many emotional teenage girls do you know don't write poetry, right? I mean, I... That's just kind of their thing to do when, when something happens. They put it down in at least the, the teenagers I've known in my life. So she's, she's doing that here. She is recognizing what she 
uh, what she has in her. In this passage, in this Magnificat, Mary's song, others call it, God is the subject uh, throughout verses uh, 46 through 55. God is the subject. The verbs, uh, the verbs rather, are powerful, but they're also verbs of, of completed action. Uh, they, are, they are things that are going to happen in the future primarily, but they are things that have in her present already been stamped by God as going to happen. So that's the, that's the tense of the verb she uses. Even if they're not fulfilled, they're, they're already done. God is doing the work. He's the subject of all of it. God is involved in all parts of his creation. There's a lot of theology here in Mary's song. Mary's song is also scriptural, scriptural sinew that brings together the Old Testament and the New Testament promises. She reaches back all the way to Abraham there toward the end of her song. She's looking forward, not just to right then with Jesus, not just to 33 years later with Jesus, but she's looking forward to the eschatological end, the, the, the final days of, of, of uh, the universe. And she is tying those two things together in this song. And in this song, God is seen both as a divine warrior and he is seen as a merciful God. So there's a lot here that we could be covering that we're not going to. But that's kind of some background for you of this passage. So what, what are we doing? Well, remember, we're talking about for these next uh, these four weeks leading up to Christmas, a remarkable gift. Last week, uh, we talked about uh, the gift, uh, and I just, just completely lost the word. So if you remember, help me out. Uh, the, 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 yeah, forget it. I don't have a bulletin from last week, and it, I mean, just out my brain. Uh, we talked about the gift last week. This week, we're talking about the gift being recognized, the gift being understood, the, the gift being, I know what's in here. So that's what we're going to see. So what did Mary recognize about this gift? Well, first of all, in verse 46, she recognizes the source of that gift. Verse 46 says, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, is how my version says it. Maybe your version says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She, she magnifies, she is making great the Lord. Now, in reality, we understand that we can't make the Lord great, can we? He already is. Mary understood that too. Mary is acknowledging what already is. My soul proclaims his greatness, and that's why we translate it that way sometimes. My soul just agrees with what already is about God, makes him great, because it is incredible what God is doing. She understands, she recognizes that somehow God has sent his son, who will also be God, and enveloped that child through fertilization in her womb. I mean, we can just stop there and, and marvel for a while. But that's not the end of it. The, she's going to give birth. She's going to carry this child who is 100% man and 100% God. We talked about that last week. He, she is going to give birth to this child, and he's going to grow up, and he's going to be incredible at 12 years old. He's going to teach the temple leaders. At 30 years old, he's going to go out and, and start his ministry. 
He's going to do incredible things that for a long time his own family is going to say, the man's crazy, we don't get him, we need to take him and, and kind of lock him up and put him away for a while. But then at the end of, of the three years of ministry toward the crucifixion, they begin to get an idea, wait a minute, maybe we have, maybe there is something to this. Mary treasures these things in her heart, the Bible tells us all along. Mary knows that, there's, that God is doing in some incredible things through her. But the other thing she recognizes is how incredible that he would do this at all. I mean, we can, we can marvel at the what, but I think where we need to truly marvel is at the why. Why is God doing this? Why would God take the form of a man? Why would he send his son to be ridiculed, to be disparaged, to be spit on, to be hit, to be slapped, to be cut, to be beaten, to be crucified? Why? Because he loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his son. That's the why. And while she doesn't understand everything right now, she does know uh, that he's come to save us. She does know his purpose. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, I think. Incredible that he, he would do this, get, that God would do this. Let me, let me ask you this question. Did you ever receive anything that you didn't think your parents could get for you? You had an idea of this gift, but there's, you just knew there's no way they can't afford it. We don't, we don't have the room for it. I'm not talking about the pony that you said you could keep in the basement. I'm talking about something a little more reasonable that you thought there's no way I'm going to get it. Then on Christmas morning, you got it. This is that gift. There's no way God can take away our sins. There's no way that God can fix this. It's just not possible. I know me too well, and then I recognize that gift. He can, and he did, and he will. So she recognized the source of that. It all comes from God. Remember, this whole song is about God. The second thing she recognizes is that there was salvation. Verse 47, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She understands that salvation could only come from God. They could look to uh, people, and there were plenty of people coming along at various times. If you're f familiar at all with the intertestamental period, that period between uh, uh, Micah and Matthew, the end of the Old Testament and the, end of the, and the beginning of the New Testament, that's some 400-year period of of darkness when God didn't speak. There were plenty of groups that came along, the most famous of which are the Maccabees, if you want to uh, do a little reading on them, uh, who, who are going to bring Israel back. Well, they failed too. And, and the Sadducees kind of said, let's, uh, let's cozy up to Rome a little bit. They'll help us come back. And the Pharisees said, no, it's completely opposite. Uh, all these different ways that people expected or hoped salvation to come and Mary knew salvation only comes from the Lord. She recognized that. She knew that this baby would bring it. I talked about that a minute or two ago. The, 
Matthew 121, in Joseph's dream, where Joseph had to be convinced, hey, I know this, this sounds a little outside of, of, of what you're expecting, Joseph, and, and that's, that's okay, but this is all God's doing. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Do not be afraid to claim this child as your own, because that's what he was doing. When he took her as his wife and said, you know what, I, I know she's pregnant, but she's mine, therefore the baby's mine. When he got that dream that told him that to, to do that, part of that dream was, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. They knew what kind of savior he would be. They knew this baby, this gift, would bring about salvation, and Mary recognized that salvation. Maybe, maybe that gift that you didn't expect to get, that, that you thought, there's no way my parents can get that, Maybe that's what you recognized when you saw the wrapped package. They, they kept it tucked away behind the tree. You know, just hidden underneath all the little things, underneath the socks and the underwear and the things you really didn't want to get for Christmas. Uh, underneath that was that one thing. And when that box came out and you knew the size and you knew the shape, you said, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. That's the response here. I, 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 didn't, I didn't even know my need. I didn't even know how great it would be until I received salvation. Mary recognized the salvation that was coming. The third thing Mary recognized was the suffering that was coming. She recognized the source, God. She recognized the salvation through her baby. And she recognized the suffering, verse 48 a, that first half of 40, verse 48, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Not very uh, vaunting language that she uses of herself, is it? The humble condition of her saved, uh, of, of, her, of his slave. See, God found her in the middle of nowhere, and because of nothing. Mary wasn't special. I, she was special after the fact. But Mary was not the best 13-year-old uh, girl of all the 13-year-old girls, as best we can tell. She was probably raised in a good synagogue going home, not a church going home, but a synagogue going home, Raised in the scriptures, raised just like every other kid, and yet God chose her. Now, was there some was there some characteristic of hers that led him to do that? Maybe, but we don't get any uh, indication of that from this, other than her response to the calling is obedience. That's that's the only thing that endears her in any way, I believe, to. To this, to this calling. But Nazareth, as I said, was, was an end-of-the-road kind of town. I mean, it was you're driving up, you're going over here, and if you take this road, yeah, you get to Nazareth, but the road doesn't go anywhere but Nazareth. And really, according to one of the disciples, what good can come out of Nazareth? That was not the place a king would be born, certainly not the place a savior would be born. God found her in the middle of nowhere and because of nothing. 
she was not wealthy. Was she, was she just, were they destitute? Probably as destitute as everybody else. They were probably average, and average wasn't great back then. But there, there, there's just nothing. And if you're traveling through that town looking for folks, if you were Samuel, for example, who was looking for a king and told he'll be one of the sons of Jesse, and he goes through all the big, strapping, hulking men uh, that, that Jesse had raised and gets down to the, the next to the last one and says, none of these are the king. And Jesse says, I got one more boy. He's David. He's out doing something. And David says, you know, I mean, uh, Samuel says, bring him. Let me look at him. Here is the king. If, if you were looking for, for where you were going to get married, you wouldn't go to Nazareth. If you were looking for a king, you wouldn't have gone to David. It's the way God works over and over and over throughout Scripture. He, he uses the foolish, if I may paraphrase, uses the foolish to confound the wise. God, that's not who I would have picked. And God says, I didn't ask you. Mary says, God, I'm not who I would have picked. And God says, Mary, I didn't ask you. She knew that the needs were insurmountable. I'm supposed to raise a king? I'm supposed to raise God's son? I'm supposed to raise the person who's going to save his people from their sins. Now I'm thinking it's clicking a little bit. She understands that the true need that's insurmountable is the forgiveness of our sins. That's why immediately prior she recognizes the Savior. She recognizes the suffering now. We are suffering under poverty. We are suffering under our lowly state. We're suffering under Rome. But right now, and for all of history, our greatest need, our greatest problem has been our suffering under sin. Sin's defeat is our great need. I believe Mary, even in her young age, knew that. We see that here. Certainly, God knew that. That our greatest need was to have our sins forgiven. Did you ever, did you ever receive a gift that met your greatest need at the time? My mom, growing up, uh, various, you know, this Christmas or that Christmas might be a little bit better than other Christmases, just depending on uh, what was going on, how much Daddy was working. And oftentimes, she would break up our gifts. And, and, and I always, growing up, got the socks and the underwear and the T-shirts and whatever, you know, we needed under the tree because that made it look like more gifts. And, and some years, she, if, if, if the package of socks came, like, with, uh, six pairs in a package, split that sucker in half. I got two gifts. It just made it look better under the tree. Looking back, you know, that's, that's not the greatest gift for a, a nine-year-old, eight-year-old, seven-year-old, but looking back, it, there, there was uh, a, a sense of need there. But to, what really gets me is to, has gotten me is to hear my grandfather talk about Christmas during the Depression. And how excited they would be when there would be an orange in their stocking. So they didn't get fruit. Living out in the country uh, uh, in, in Porterville, Mississippi. They, they, they didn't get all those things. They were 
farmers, period. And, and, and what, what they got was what they could grow or hunt. And, and to get an orange which was, was an, a great, great Christmas morning for him. I can't ever think of receiving a gift, though, on Christmas morning that met my greatest need at the time. I, I, it, would, it would have to be something like uh, a, a, uh, an amputee getting the prosthetic leg that they've been waiting for on Christmas morning. You know, the, that, that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of. And, 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 and for me, I never experienced that. I, I do believe there are plenty of people, though, who have, who, who got up Christmas morning and got the very thing they needed. With this baby, with this gift, with Mary recognizing this gift, the recognition was she was getting the very thing that he needed. Uh, so, what do we do? We open that package and we realize that the thing that we have needed the most is what we're getting. That salvation from sin. That insurmountable suffering that we experience under sin. That's what we get. She recognized, uh, the fourth thing she recognized is the support. She, she, she recognizes the suffering. She recognizes everything that could go wrong, everything that will be hard. But in that same verse, she recognizes that she is not in this alone. Surely, from now on, verse uh, 48, uh, rather 49, uh, sorry, I skipped one. Back up. She recognized the status. Yeah, uh, the slides were right. I was wrong. I scrolled too far. She recognized the status in 48b. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. She recognized her place in all of this. She recognized that with this gift came responsibility. Y'all, with your gift of salvation comes responsibility. She understood that this was not something she could handle alone. She understood that when we look back, we will marvel at Mary, a 13, 14-year-old girl giving birth to the Savior. We will look back and our minds will be blown. I'm 41. I don't want that kind of responsibility. I got enough child responsibility right now, just trying to raise what I hope will be you know, contributing citizens to society. Uh, you want me to raise a king? No thanks, God. No, I, I will not. And, and she could have said the same thing. She understood it, but she recognized that, you know what? This is an incredible thing God has called me to. And she could have. She could have walked around Nazareth. King bearer. Saving the sins. Saving people from their sins. That's me. I've got the king right here. God in my belly. You know, she could have done all those things, but look, look what she's doing. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Why? Because she flaunted what she was doing? No, we look back at Mary and we say, have mercy. What a girl. That she would do this. That she could 
do this, that she approached this with such grace? Did you ever get a gift that came with weighty requirements? You know, did you get something that was going to be difficult? Uh, you know, all of my life I've wanted uh, a remote-controlled airplane. I've never had one. Uh, I had one of those, uh, one time, a, a fairly inexpensive little helicopter thing. That sucker was in the air about two minutes before I crashed it. Uh, the idea of, you know, a, a real airplane, real, I mean, you know, gas engine, all this stuff, that's what I've always wanted. I would kill that sucker. That kind of gift would come with weighty requirements. You've got to handle that thing well. You've got to handle it cre- uh, correctly. You've got to know what you're doing with it. Did you ever get a gift like that? That's... That's where Mary is. King? Savior? She was familiar with the Isaiah passage. Wonderful, counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, just messed up his diaper. Friend of sinners just spit up all over himself. I'm going to smell like spit up, and I just got ready for synagogue. You know, that's, that's what she's holding. She understood that. She understood her status as someone who was not deserving, of someone who could not handle it. But that leads us to the next one. She recognized the support in verse 49. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Why, Mary? Why will they call you blessed? Well, I'm glad you asked because she decided to answer it. Because the mighty one has done great things for me. Who's the focus on here? God. Not her. They'll call me blessed, but the only reason they'll call me blessed is because God has chosen to do something great. He is mighty. He can take care of the burden inherent in this gift. He can take care of my family. How was I going to tell Joseph? How was I going to explain this to Joseph? God says, you didn't have to. I took care of that for you. Well, well God, how am I going to, how, how, you know, if she's good on her scriptures, how, how is he going to, how does he fulfill the, the prophecy? If this is the Messiah, if this is the Savior, how, how is he going to be of, 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 of the city of David? Oh, there's a, a census. Oh, we have to go back to our, uh, our town of lineage. Oh, Joseph's town, and I'm now married to him. Oh, we're going to Bethlehem. Oh, so you worked that out too, God. Okay, well, all right, well, how, how? After a while, you just quit asking how if you're, if you're smart, right? She recognized that. She also recognized that the burden is an honor. The burden is an honor. The burden is a gift. What gift have you received that, that requires a burden? There are a lot of gifts you have received that you don't look at as gifts. Let me tell you that right now. There are a lot of things that happen in your life that you say, this is a curse. And God says, no, I'm telling you, the burden of this is a gift. 
It's a gift for you. It's a gift for the people around you. It's a gift for your family. It is a gift from me to grow your faith. She recognized the support. She recognized the fact that, and maybe, maybe you were like this too at some point on Christmas. They thought of enough to give me this? I mean, you know, maybe it was that, that gift that, that, that you weren't expecting from your, your parents. Maybe the reason you weren't expecting it was because it was so expensive. Or, or maybe it did require a lot of responsibility, and you were saying, there's, there's no way I'm going to get that because they can't afford it, and they know I can't handle it. And instead, you get it. And you're, oh my gracious. They gave it to me. I am going to handle this so carefully. So maybe you, you have some idea of what Mary was thinking. And then lastly, after she recognized the source, God, she recognized the salvation through this son, Jesus. She recognized the suffering that she would go through, how difficult it would be. Recognized her status in future generations, all because she recognized the support she would receive, she recognized in the last half of verse 49 the superiority of the one who gave the gift. His name is holy. Because the mighty one has done great things for me, and his name is holy. Holy, sanctified, set apart, different, perfect. God is perfect, she says. God's ways are perfect. Psalm 119, right? Right, J.R.? God's ways are perfect. His laws, his statutes, the things he sets up, his plans, everything God does is perfect. You look at your life and you say, there's no way that what I'm going through is what I should be going through. I tell you, Scripture says God's ways are perfect. You don't understand how you're going to get through. I understand that, but that does not mean God's ways are not perfect because God is holy. God does not say to you, I do not love you. God does not say to you, I do not care about you. God does not say to you, I'm just going to dump everything that I don't want to give anybody else on you because I kind of don't like you anyway. God's ways are perfect. God is holy. He wants us to be holy. I cannot explain why you're going through what you're going through. I can't explain why he chose Mary. I sure can't explain her emotions that she was feeling at this time. But what I can tell you is that he was using that to make her holy, to make her family holy. I can tell you that what you are going through right now, God is using to make you holy. What will you let him do through you? See, we can't comprehend the gift. How, I remember when Jamie was born, our firstborn, thinking, like all first-time daddies do, how in the world are we going to do this? You know, this is pretty big responsibility. Uh, and then hold that little squealer, and, and, and wow, this is, this is pretty cool. My boy, right? Could not comprehend the gift. But I recognized that God had entrusted me with that gift, and I got three more over the years. So I take that gift and I say, well, I will do the best I can with it by God's leading, by his grace. The gift that Mary had, the gift that Mary received is a gift that we must receive as well. 
we cannot comprehend the gift of salvation. You, you will pull all your brain muscles if you try. I mean, try to figure out how God can save you. Try to figure out how the death of Jesus. I mean, theologians have discussed it, and we will continue to discuss it. Oh, the, the, it was because he was purely man, he died for man, but because he was purely divine, he was able to uh, infinitely cover all the sins. I mean, we, we can have discussions about that, but to, tr <clears throat> excuse me, to truly comprehend it, we cannot. What do we do? We just take it. I'm, I'm bad about... Uh, not returning gifts. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a gracious receiver of gifts. And it's not, it's not because I'm, I'm not just, I'm, I'm ungrateful. It's usually something that I go, wait a minute. No, 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 this is, this is too much. I, we, we, we can't accept it. And, and, you know, I'm told in no uncertain terms, yeah, you can, shut up and take it. Usually by the person giving it. And, uh, and I, I do, but, but that, that's, that's the way we should approach this gift. God, this is too much. God, you would really save me. Did you ever, did you ever receive a gift that just blew you away? A gift that you knew you didn't deserve? You know, we're not going to go too far into the, if, you know, better watch out, better not cry, that kind of stuff uh, about gift giving and, you know, if you're good, you get them, and if you don't, you're not, you don't. But, but there are things, probably, in our lives, if, we, if we're honest, we, we look back and we think, I, did, I, I am not getting that this Christmas. And you, can, you can go through the list of all the things you did that year. I'm not going to get that. Then you do. You didn't deserve it, but you got it anyway. Y'all, as great as that, what, what'd you get? A bike? Uh, uh, Go-kart? A new gun? Yeah, redneck, sorry. Uh, you know, what was it that you got that you said I didn't deserve? Y'all, if you have trusted Christ, this morning, you can look at your gift of salvation and say, Oh my gracious, what a gift. I did not deserve that. And you would be exactly right. You do not deserve it. That, that baby and the salvation that he would bring, that remarkable gift, no, you don't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. No one has deserved it. And yet, we recognize that that gift is given for us. That gift is given for you. So this morning, maybe you've never received the gift. I could, have, I could have received the best, no, let me back up. I could have, the best gift ever could have been purchased for me. But if I did not receive that gift, I don't experience any of the benefits. I knew a man who ministered to some Folks, uh, very, very heavily, he was, uh, he was a hospice chaplain, Tom. Uh, and this, this family uh, was clearly well off. And they knew that his vehicles were not the best. <laughs> they, they bought him a new truck. Four-door Ford 
F-150, I think maybe even four-wheel drive. He was torn. He was, should I do this? It just, just, it just seems, you know, that's a pretty, that's major. I'm, I'm telling no. And they said, I don't care what you say. But, but what he did have to do, what was required of him was to go down to the, the Ford dealership and sign the papers. Phenomenal gift. But until he went to that dealership and put his name on that dotted line, it wasn't his. He received none of the benefits. Couldn't drive it off the lot. Couldn't use it. It was not his truck. All analogies break down. But salvation is the same way. Jesus is offering salvation to every one of you this morning. In here, if you haven't received Christ, on video, on TV, wherever you might be, Jesus is offering a gift. Will you receive it? Will you trust Christ for your salvation? What do you mean, Michael? Well, we need to recognize our need. Mary recognized so many things about that gift, but we this morning need to recognize our need. We've all sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. We are all doomed to hell because the wages of sin, if we've all done it, then we will experience the wages. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm a sinner. I've done it. Therefore, I deserve hell. I don't deserve anything else but the gift, the remarkable gift is salvation, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. He bought the gift while we were being bad. Right? He bought the gift in July, during the summer, when we were out of school, and, and our parents couldn't wait for us to go back to school because that meant eight to ten hours. We were out of the house. They didn't have to deal with us anymore. But back in July, they went to TGNY. They put it on TGNY for you young folks. That was Walmart. TGNY or Fred's or Gibson's. They put it on layaway in July. They made six payments on that thing so you could get it in December. While you were bad, they bought it for you. Jesus, while you were a sinner, died for you. Christmas morning, did you get up and you say, that's not the color I wanted. And you walked away. Some of you have been doing that to Jesus for a lot of years. The gift is there. It's been paid for. It's under the tree. It is yours for the taking. And you've looked at it and you said, it's not the color I wanted. Or you have some other problem with it. It is your choice this morning. But I implore you, I beg you, receive the gift. Take it. You'll find out that the color is perfect. Perfect for your life. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who takes the gift will be saved. And, and, and the gift, the, the signing on the dotted line, the going to the dealership and saying, yes, that mine is mine, confessing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's it. Do you believe? Do you trust? That's it. That is salvation. Have you prayed a prayer? Prayers don't save you. Words, incantations, they're not magic. 
will lead you in a prayer a lot of times when you accept Christ, but that prayer doesn't save you. It is your faith, your heart turn, your repentance from what you were to Jesus. That's what saves you. This morning, will you do that? Have you done that? Pray with me. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have provided in the coolest package, the best wrapping paper, and an incredible delivery system, the best gift we could possibly ask for, and the most needed gift that we've ever longed for. God, thank you that you wrap salvation in that infant body. Lord, thank you in that before we were even born, you sent your son to die for us. This morning, I, I thank you that so many have recognized the gift this morning. But Lord, I, I, I pray for those within earshot that have not recognized the gift, have not trusted Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would move on hearts, soften them, God, connect with them. Lord, may they no longer say, that's not my color. But let them turn to you, trust you, receive the gift this morning. Lord, there are many of us that may have, well, the gift is old. We've had it for a while. We, we've got it on a shelf, but we don't see the joy in that gift anymore. Lord, I pray that you would fire our hearts toward that gift of salvation again. Lord, renew the joy of our salvation. God, do something amazing in this place this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this time of response, what do you need to do? Do you need to accept Christ? Do you need to receive that gift? Maybe you do. Maybe you want to come and talk to me about it. Maybe you want to pray about it. Maybe you're a believer and, and you've, you've just grown complacent with the gift. Ah, that was nice for a while, but... I'm glad I've got it, but it's not really that important to me anymore. It's not really affecting my life anymore. Maybe that's a, a, a need you need to pray about. I'll pray with you. The altar is open. But this is your time to respond. Let's sing. Stand up. Let's sing. And you do business with God this morning.